Welcome to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where I share inspiring stories of ordinary people who walk out God's Word and discover radical results along the way. Okay, friend, I have a question for you. When did you feel God's call? Maybe you're going about your ordinary life and all of a sudden everything changed. Well, I could tell you the moment that it happened for me, or at least one of the moments. I was with a friend and we were both volunteering in the nursery at church. Do you remember those days? Maybe you have volunteered there at a time or two. You're sitting there, you're rocking babies, you're telling kids not to bite each other, you're hopefully enjoying time chatting with the other person volunteering. I was sitting there with my friend Cindy and I had asked her something about what were her goals or plans for the future and she confessed that she was writing a Christian novel. And when she said that, something inside me was like a tiny little fireworks going off. I had grown up loving to read. I always went to the library, checked out way too many books, read all of them, but I had never thought of becoming an author. But that day when Cindy talked to me, when she said that, my heart just knew that that is something that I wanted to do. So Weeks passed and I asked Cindy more questions. She lent me a book called Writer to Writer by Bodie Taney. And I remember reading it maybe a couple times. And then Cindy and I saved up on running for a whole year. We went to the Mount Hermon Christian Writers Conference. And walking onto this campus, I just found people like me. I was only 22 years old, yet I knew it was something that I wanted to do. I had no idea what God would do. I thought maybe I would get one book published. Now I have uh, 73 books published. My newest book, Calming Angry Kids, just released. It's brand new, hot off the press. But I had no idea what God was going to do. And I love that. When God calls us, we often have no idea what he's going to do. And that's what I'll be talking about with my guest today, Brian Bird. Now, you may not have heard his name, or maybe you have, but I know that um, if you've watched movies and enjoyed them, you've probably seen some of the things that he's worked on. So let me tell you a little bit about Brian. As a 30-year veteran of Hollywood film and television business, Brian Burr's mission as a writer, producer, and media professional is to create high-caliber, life-affirming, redemptive true stories and uplifting entertainment projects. He is the co-founder and partner with Michael Landon Jr. of Believe Pictures. They've worked on The Case for Christ, Captive, The Ultimate Life. Also, he's worked um, with Beverly Lewis on The Reckoning for the Hallmark Channel. He's also worked on the series When Calls the Heart. And we'll be talking a lot about this um, in the interview because I just have friends. I mean, I'm a fan, but I have friends that are like super fans. So we'll be talking about that. But so many things. He's worked with Francine Rivers on her book, The Last Sin Eater. He's worked um, before that as a co-producer and writer for Touched by the Angel. Um, 
evening shade, step-by-step, the family man. So, so many things Brian has worked on. And I just love how God does the unexpected. The fun thing is that uh, Brian and I will give a little hint at the end is that maybe he's doing something unexpected in my life too. So you'll just have to listen to find out what that can be. But I am so excited. Um, Brian and I will be talking about his new book and I just know that you'll be encouraged to hear more about him. Well, welcome back to Walk It Out, friends. And I always have such a fun time connecting with people. Some people that I interview I've known a long while. Some people I've um, just appreciated and enjoyed their work for a long while. And some are friends that we've never really had a chance to talk over the phone or in person. And that is my friend today. So I am so glad to welcome Brian Bird. And you may have heard your name if you've um, watched any TV shows or been in Hollywood and saw these amazing Christian um, films and, and shows that he's worked on. But I just want to first by welcome you, Brian, to Walk It Out. Thank you, Trisha. It's uh, fun to be with you today. It's so great connecting with you and and talking to you kind of for the first time. We send messages back and forth, but this is the first time we've really got a chat. So that's super fun. Yeah, for me too. Absolutely. We have tons of mutual friends. And so it's fun to connect the dots like this. And, uh, you know, I find that the, 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 the the family of God gets smaller and bigger all at the same time <laughs> when you make these kind of connections. Oh, I love that so much. Well, for those who may not have heard or may have maybe connect, not connected you with some of the projects you've been on, just start by sharing us a little bit about your family and then your work. Well, thank you. Yeah, I have. I'm. Uh, I've been married uh, to my beautiful bride Patty for going on 38 years. Uh, in just a couple months, we'll celebrate 38 years of marriage and. We have five kids, and uh, so I, I've ha- I've had a, uh, uh, a a full time job just being a dad and a husband, uh, but somehow, uh, some way, have been able to to carve out a, a career as a writer and a, a producer in in Hollywood. And um, God's just opened up some amazing doors there. And my family uh, is really the the uh, sort of the only thing that keeps me sane because it, it's a crazy business and it's uh, it's like riding a roller coaster and my family is the seatbelts that keep me in the car. So <laughs> I love that. And it, and it really bring us, uh, remind us that we're real life people, like take out the trash, <laughs> yeah, and, have to sweep yeah, off the porch. Exactly. And, and, and my wife is so un, unimpressed with all the, all the things that I've done. Uh, you know, it's what's, wonderful about that is that it's just a very grounding thing. It's what's, like you said, what's real, you know, and love is what makes life real and, and family is what makes life real. And so the, the film and TV business is, is fantastic. And I'm, I, I love it. And I feel so fortunate and blessed to have sort of figured out how to do it. Uh, but it is pretend, (laughs) right? We're making up stories and it's and then we're playing pretend and uh then we go home to the real world and and if and just so blessed to have a a family that actually wants me to come home after all these years of doing this crazy work and uh um to be honest with you without them i would just be wandering around mumbling to myself uh uh because they they really are the glue uh, that keeps everything going 
I love that. And for those who maybe aren't familiar with some of the projects, why don't you just share maybe a couple things that you've worked on recently? Well, uh, probably the thing that that gets would get most of your readers and most of your fans excited is uh, this little show called Wind Calls the Heart um, <laughs> that is on the Hallmark Channel. And it's kind of the biggest hit on the Hallmark Channel. Uh, we're actually filming season six of that show right now. And it's based on uh, some of uh, Jeanette Oak, uh, some of her best-selling uh, books. And uh, we're just so honored to be working with Jeanette Oak. She's sort of the queen of the, of the space that you work in uh, as a as a as an author and of fiction and and so she um, she's been sort of the, the queen mother of, of when calls a heart and we're just you know honored to have done that but we're uh, yeah shooting season six right now and the audience has never been bigger there are approximately three and a half million people that watch the show on the Hallmark Channel you know every week and we'll keep making it as long as uh, as people keep watching and. Uh, We've also just recently announced a spin-off series that Hallmark is also going to, to do uh, for directly for their Hallmark Now streaming service. And it's called uh, When Hope Calls. So it'll be sort of a spin-off of When Calls the Heart. And that'll be coming sometime in 2019. So it's never been busier, never been you know, uh, crazier than, than what's happening right now with, uh, those now two shows on the Hallmark channel. And, um, and then I somehow also dabble here and there in the movie business. And, and so some of the recent films that I've been involved in, uh, some, some of your readers and fans may have heard of, uh, the case for Christ, which, uh, I wrote and produced, uh, based on the Lee Strobel uh, best-selling book. And that came out uh, last year. And then I uh, uh, did a movie called Captive uh, the year before that, based on a true story. And and um, that involves uh, Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Life uh, book in, in that true story. And I've got three others that I'm <laughs> in the middle in various stages of working on, including the sequel to The Case for Christ, which is called The Case for Miracles, which is based on Lee Strobel's brand new book that just came out this year. So uh, it's a, it's busy. It's uh, it's crazy. But um, I couldn't be more grateful and, and uh, more blessed to be doing what I'm doing. And I sort of feel like, you know, God's prepared me for such a time as this to just really... Uh, to expand my, as, as the prayer of Jabez says, to expand my boundaries, expand my borders and, and, uh, and ask God for more and, and continued influence in what I do so that we can point everyone closer back to him, you know, back, back to God. Um, that's what the goal is. Yeah, I love that so much. And I love that the movies have been something that my teens have enjoyed. Because sometimes it's hard to find, you know, sometimes I think, oh, Christian movies are just cheesy. And so we just adopted, you know, four teens from foster care. And I remember one of the first movies I took them to was Captive. And we were able to go, um, I was able to go to a pre-release um, here in Little Rock. And so I'm here with my four girls. I think the youngest was 12 at the time. And we were just so enthralled um, with the movie in the middle of it. One of my girls cried out because she was so scared. She was, I think she was 12. But she's like, mommy. And I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. It's a movie. Um, but they just enjoyed it. And the same with the case for Christ. 
you know, these girls, um, you know, we just got them as teenagers. And so they weren't raised in Christian homes. It's like, what are you going to make us watch? But I said, give it 10 minutes. And they were so into the movie. Um, you know, they sat down with their phones and, you know, pretty soon they're like, forget the phones. They're totally tuned into the movie. I love hearing that. It makes all, it makes all the hard work worth, worth our while to know that we're making an impact on, you know, we know these films will reach the church, but that's not what I want to do mostly. I, I mean, I'm glad to provide good encouragement and affirmation to folks that are already in the choir. But, you know, for me, I, I want I want to drive people, I want to stir up soul cravings in people. And uh, my, you know, Rick Warren was my pastor for 20 years uh, for the Saddleback Church. And he he told me one time, he said, Brian, if, if all you do is, uh, ask great questions and drive people to the door, uh, to my door, you know, I'll do the rest. And he said, just asking great questions and stirring up cravings in people's hearts for, for deeper and, and more, inf- you know, uh, more of a relationship with God, but also a relationship with other Christians. He said, that's a huge, massive task in the marketplace to, to do that. And, um, if you do that, you, you are, actually doing the heaviest lifting. Uh, I could take it the rest of the way is what he told me. <laughs> so uh, anyway, and we, you know, our goal is not to hit people over the head with, with you know, altar call scenes. Uh, I just find that t- personally, I'm not putting other people, you know, uh, you know, criticizing other people who might feel like that's an important thing to do. But I just find that to be, more propagandistic than just telling great stories and stirring up, stirring up soul cravings so that uh, people can be hungry for conversation with real people. Like we were talking about, you know, people are what make the world real. You know, when I go home from my pretend work, I, you know, my family is what keeps it real for me. And I think for all of us, real life blood conversations with real living people are what really count. And if my messages in film and television can stir up soul cravings that start great conversations, then I feel like that's huge. And that's what, and, you know, we can smuggle in the cargo very ingeniously and and, and put our worldview into these stories. But I feel like sometimes uh, pounding people over the head uh, with the gospel is too much. It, 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 they can smell it coming a mile away. And what they really want is a story that stirs their hearts up and causes them to want conversation with others. Absolutely. And you know, I've loved to see the friendships that have even been built like around when calls the heart. Um, and the Hardy's group. Now, one of my very good friends and their neighbors, they live, I don't know, 10 houses down or something are the Mowers, Bruce and Cindy. And their van, I, they, she came by the other day to drop something off. And she has Hardy's on her license plate. <laughs> I'm like, you've got Hardy's on your license plate. I mean, that tells you something when it is so meaningful to these friendships that are built, these connections that are built. So tell us a little bit more about that group. And just it's just so overwhelming. Yeah. Well, Bruce and Cindy are awesome. And I, it's been fun for Patty and me, my wife, Patty, and I to get to know them a little bit. Uh, uh, we were on a crew on a family life cruise with them uh, a couple of years ago, and they came up to Vancouver to our 
our uh, our fan event that we hold for One Calls a Heart, and we just have really enjoyed spending time with them, and and it's been fun to know that they they're your neighbors, and and we have that connection. Um, so the Hardys are what I call Trekkies on steroids. Uh, <laughs> they are more rabid about our show than I think the Trekkies are about Star Trek. And, and, and I, and not because they like to dress up in weird costumes, although maybe some like to get into costume, but uh, it's more about the show has sort of uh, caused, you know, community, I guess is the, for the, for lack of a better term. You know, there are now Hardy's parties going on all over the country every week where where groups of of Wayne Calls a Heart fans are gathering together and becoming friends. And it's not yes, yes, the 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 show is the catalyst for it, but what's what's cool to me is that that those friendships are what will outlast the show. Right. If we're if if our show is causing people to 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 become friends with others, the friendships are what's what's really important. And the the, the communities that that grow up around that. And so uh, the Hardys, uh, we did not invent them. They invented themselves. <laughs> uh, you know, it, there are an example of a pure grassroots sort of uh, or, you know, fan group that emerged in season one. They started to talk to us in season one on social media. And we were just so busy trying to get the show done that we were like, we had no idea what to do. You know, it's like uh, people were asking us questions on Twitter or Facebook. And, and so we had the presence of mind to say, you know what, Uh, this, it's harder than heck to, to launch a show into the marketplace when there's so many choices out there. There's 500 television shows on the air right now. And, you know, finding an audience is really hard to do, especially when you're on a smaller network, like, you know, we are on a cable network, the Hallmark Channel. Uh, you know, they don't have 20 million people watching the network every every night. Uh, and so it's hard to build a fan group. And so the Hardys actually, they built themselves. And we had the presence of mind to start talking to them and to, to talk back to them. And one thing led to another, and we, we, we held a, a, what we called our Hardy's family reunion up in Vancouver, where we shoot the show, right there at Hope Valley, which is the, our film set of our town, you know, the town that we built for the show. And um, we, we held a fan engagement for 165 Hardys who got themselves to Vancouver that first year. And, and they, had a, they had an experience of, of meeting our actors and wandering around our set, set and taking pictures of themselves in Hope Valley. And one thing, you know, the, and that first event led to now we're, we're planning our fourth Hardys family reunion. Uh, which will happen next month in October, and uh, we've got close to 450 coming, and uh, and they just love it, and it's just been a, an incredible thing. But the the key, Tricia, is that, and I know you know about this because of how you have engaged your readers. Uh, you, you have to talk back to people. You have to you have to communicate with them, and uh, and we were smart enough to do that. 
right? That's and and because there's not a lot of money to spend for marketing, and so I've told the Hardys, I've, I've been very bold and just said, you guys are the marketing department <laughs> for One Calls the Heart, and they have taken up the cause uh, in a big way. They they want more programming like this, and I think we do a good show. I th- you know we do the best show we can on the resources that we have. Um, but I, I think that the, uh, the that we kind of bumbled our way into this relationship with with the Hardys because we weren't expecting this kind of response. We were just trying to make a good show, and hopefully, people would like it. And you know what we found is that when nobody else is making programming like One Calls the Heart, which is family friendly, like you said, you can watch with your kids all in one room and not be ambushed by it. Uh, nobody else is doing that right now. Besides, you know, the Hallmark Channel and maybe a few others, uh, nobody's making content like that. It's all zombies and vampires and crystal meth dealers and drug dealers and, and dead body shows and mafiosos. That's all there is on television right now, for the most part. You know, I would say 98% is what that is. And in, back in the old days, you know, when, when I did Touch by an Angel, uh, we finished that show 15 years ago now, uh, 2003. And back in 2003, every network on television was making fam- still making family, you know, f- somewhat family-friendly programming. And in the 15 years since then, nobody else, everybody else dropped it. It's like the industry had collective amnesia about how to make these kinds of shows. And so we were fortunate enough to make a show that people were starved for because there's a massively underserved audience out there that has had to cut their TV off because there's nothing on TV for them, right? They feel ambushed. They feel their values are under assault. And what we did is we provided something that didn't not only did not assault them but it affirmed them it they saw their own values reflected on tv and they love us for it so it's no more complicated than this trisha if you find an island full of starving people and you bring them food they will love you for it <laughs> and they will be loyal to you and that's what the hardys have become and um We've been able to identify on social media at least half a million people who would self-identify as Hardys, right? They call themselves Hardys. And, uh, and there, may, there may be more because we have three and a half million people that watch our show and love our show. But, the, but in terms of the people who are most vocal and most active on social media, that's half a million people. That's massive to me. I, I never anticipated that. So what a wonderful wave uh, and blessing they have been you know, for us. And they are the wind beneath our wings for sure. And I've, and I'm, and I've told them, Wind Calls a Heart, uh, you are the reason for Wind Calls a Heart. It probably would not still be on the air if, you, if the Hardys hadn't showed up and been so loud and vocal about their love for the show. 
And that's just so amazing to see. You said a half million people. I mean, can you, you can't even picture that in like in an auditorium. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just so huge. And then those voices going out and, you know, if they're talking on social media, they're telling their friends about it, you know, they're inviting people into their homes. I mean, I just love that so much. Did you ever imagine this when you first got started? I mean, I would just love to, you to go back and tell us about what that was like, because I'm sure going into Hollywood as a as a believer and wanting to to make a difference. I mean, where were you and how did that all start? Well, I I uh, I, I was a journalist first. I went to journalism school, uh, started, you know, as a writer, a, a newspaper reporter. And my my I uh, went to, uh, got married. Um, Patty, uh, Patty had a great uncle who was a TV producer and writer. And she, uh, she, we were at, uh, some family function and she kind of cornered him and said, Hey, you need to read my husband's writings. <laughs> and uh, she was like my best agent. And, uh, so, you know, whether he had guilt or, uh, <laughs> or, or just you know truly cared, uh, you know he read some of my journalism stuff and my clippings, and he said, you know, you're a good writer. Have you ever thought about writing for film or TV? And I said, no. I said I'm a huge consumer. I've always loved you know film and television, but uh, never thought about you know working in that business. And he said, well, you should. And so he gave me some scripts uh, from film and TV scripts, and. Uh, told me a couple of good books to read sort of just to sort of train myself. And um, lo and behold, the next year he invited me to come in and pitch uh, to the staff of Fantasy Island. And this was a show that was on in the 1980s. And I was like 25 years old at the time. And so I went in, I took some ideas in and they said, you know, we love that one. Uh, Go write an outline. And who's your agent? And I said, uh, uh, my wife, I, I don't know, uh, <laughs> what do you mean? what's an agent? And so uh, that led to my first episode of television uh, in 1984, uh, an episode of Fantasy Island. And, uh, and I got bit by the bug. I mean, it was so much fun because you're, you're world building. You actually kind of get to play God. And in journalism, you don't get to do that. You're you're incredibly um, you're you're put into a box, right? Uh, that you have to stay in when you're writing when you're doing news writing. And so uh, for me, it was just a so much fun that I I just said I got to do more of this. And and uh, he he said if we get picked up for a ninth season with this show, uh, we want to invite you to be a story editor on, on fantasy Island, which is sort of the, at that point, sort of an entry level, you know, staff writer. And so I thought, wow, that's cool. Well, lo and behold, the show got canceled. Mm, wow. <laughs> and, uh, so I had one episode of fantasy Island and he sort of went into semi-retirement after that. So I thought, okay, well, I had my one cup of coffee in the big league <laughs> and, uh, I was in, uh, Ethiopia and so I just went back to my journalism work. Uh, and I was in Ethiopia in 1988, four years later, sort of doing a bit, uh, covering the, uh, uh, sort of how the people were doing with their, with the famine, you know, it was like, uh, after the famine, how are people coping? And, uh, I was watching, you know, I turned the TV on in the Hilton hotel there in Addis Ababa. And guess what I see on television? 
Your episode? My episode. <laughs> and it had Amharic subtitles on on it. And I thought if something like this, you know, you know, just popular sort of television on in America is going to be exported all over the globe like this. Uh, it was a very, it was a crystal moment for me. And I, I just said that then the opposite has to be true too. The opportunity for faith and life affirming content to be exported all over the globe is there. And I just said, God, uh, if you want me back in that game, open the door. And a year later, I was on my on the staff of my first TV show. It was a half hour sitcom, 1989, and uh, and I haven't looked back since then. And I've done, you know, 300, I think close to 300 episodes of TV that I've either written or produced, and uh, a couple dozen movies. Um, so. You know that, but that was that was the launch pad for me. Was that Uncle Don Ingalls gave me my opportunity to to do that? I love that so much. You know, and walk it out. We're always talking about taking those steps of faith, and I'm sure stepping into TV after you know being in journalism. I mean, did you have those fears there and those questions of is this really going to pan out? You know what I have over the over the years. You know, from time to time, because it's a it's a real feast or famine business. It's like um. It's like we're all a bunch of gypsies wandering around looking for food, and when you, and when you find some, you camp there for a while. That's kind of what the TV business is. You're just a freelancer for the most part uh, until you know you you're until you're done on one project and you have to go find a new project. So I've had you know times of doubt or times of um, you know fear about like is this gonna am I gonna be able to make keep this going? Am I gonna be able to continue doing this? I never had fear to try it, to jump in, because I was already a writer. I already knew how to write. And my and I'm sure you feel this way too, because you've written fiction, you've written nonfiction. A good writer should be able to do anything. To to, to should be able to write anything. You should be able to write bubblegum comics, to greeting cards, to presidential speeches, to radio copy, to to TV shows, to novels. Uh, to journalism, a good writer should be able to do to be able to write anything, and that's it's a theory until it's proven otherwise, in my opinion. And I've written comedy, I've written drama, I've been a journalist, I've written true stories, I've now written a, some devotionals. Uh, you know, it, it's I I honestly think it's it, you know I I want to be proven wrong that I can't tackle anything. It's just for writers, if you know, if you're, if you're confident in front of a keyboard and you know how to put words on the page, it's just homework. The rest of it's just homework. How, you know, learning format, learning, you know, reading other good writers and studying other good writers and, and mimicking them, you know, until you can become better than them and put when you put your words on the page. So anyway, I, I've never had a lack of confidence about this. I've certainly have, a, have had fear of like, am I going to be able to keep it going? Uh, but, you know, put me in front of anything. I, I really feel that way. And I'll figure it out. It may take me some time, but I will figure it out. Yeah. And I totally agree with you about being able to write anything. And I, I mean, people's like, how are you able to do all this? Because I write fiction, I write nonfiction, I've written devotionals, you know, I got I got the call to write the novelization for Mom's Night Out. And I'm like, okay, I've never done that before, for sure. We could do that. We could try. And 
It is. You do have to study. You have to figure out format. You have to look at the audience and make the connection with them. But it is so fun. And I think I think that's what makes it interesting. Is we can figure out something new and, and something challenging. And uh, I grow in the process. That's right. Absolutely right. Well, you mentioned devotionals. And so that's what I wanted to talk about. You have a brand new devotional. It just hit the shelves. And it's When Calls the Heart at Christmas. So tell yeah. us... Yeah, it's when God calls the heart. Oh, when That's God the calls the heart. That's it. Yeah, so, so what we did is we we uh, uh, Michelle Cox, who I know you know, is my co-author on this, and and uh, we've done two of them now, and the newest one is when God calls the heart at Christmas. But the reason why I wanted to do these devotionals is that I I learned uh, early on in the process of writing and producing when calls the heart, uh, when calls the heart the show that the audience wanted more. They wanted to go deeper into the conversation. And I thought, well, how do I do that? And a devotional became sort of the perfect opportunity to take the episodes of the show and use those as as a jumping off point for a deeper devotional conversation. And we've heard from families uh, who were watching the show over and over again and then having discussions with their their children after the show, sort of identifying the God moments in the show and then having a deeper discussion with them. And so the, for me, the devotional is now a way to do that, a better way to do that, where, where we have you know great spiritual insights that we're pulling from, not only from the show, but then, but then elaborating on those, but then also ask, asking great questions, great discussion questions and you know, p- using scripture and some quotes from the show and uh, a prayer so that it can be a personal reflection devotional or it can actually be a group devotional that uh, that whole families can do together. And we've actually heard from uh, like a chemotherapy group that is doing this devotional together while they're getting their chemo. And I just, I just am floored by that and so blessed by it because you know, honestly, I just I just want the conversation to go deeper. I really do. I just think the culture is so hungry for meaning and for for truth that we need every which way we can to put this into the water of the culture and 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 give people an opportunity to do that. And so, yeah. So when God calls the heart at Christmas is wonderful because we also have uh, contributions from a lot of the Hardies in it. They they shared some of their their traditions, their Christmas traditions, some of their most profound stories at Christmas, and even some of their recipes. And so we've included that. We bundled all of that into twenty five chapters uh, for when God calls the heart at Christmas. Uh, devotions from Hope Valley that um, you know we're just hearing some great stories, and and it's out nice and early so that people can get it in time for Christmas, and and also. Uh, you know, uh, if they want, get it, you know, as a gift, as gifts for each other. So it's been a blessing. And, and uh, it's my, honestly, you, you're the veteran at books. Um, these two devotionals are my first time publishing a book, uh, you know, uh, being in the book publishing side of things. So uh, it's been a, a real joy and a, and a blessing to, to do that. I love that. And then there's also journals, um, keepsake journals that go along with it. Absolutely right. And uh, that's been fun, too, because people can then use the journals to sort of write down their own reflections uh, from the 
the devotional times that they're having in the books. And uh, uh, so anyway, Broad Street Publishers uh, is the company that has, has, has put these books out there and, and, and uh, we're in stores and we're online and, and uh, pe- people want to know more. They can find out everything they need to know at When God Calls the Heart at uh, actually just WhenGodCallsTheHeart.com. And it has everything they need to know from uh, about both the devotionals and the journals. I love that. And I, I love how you said, you know, this would be a perfect gift to give. And you could give it to them at Thanksgiving when you're gathering all there around. Just say, here's there your you early Christmas gift. And then, but there's the 25 uh, days in there, 25 chapters. Um, it would be perfect for family to do to together. I'm looking forward to doing this with my family. And I think really the Christmas time is the time um, I know there's so much going on, but we really take time to slow down and to try to focus on Christ during the Christmas season. I think this is going to be so helpful. And I have a daughter who loves to bake. She's 13. Um, that's the first thing she's going to be doing probably is digging out <laughs> the recipes. So I think it's wonderful that you just put all these different elements and that the Hardys are included. What was that like, that process opening the doors to them? Well, it was really fun for me because I, I really feel like this is a is a devotional and a journal that is by Hardy's for Hardy's because I'm a Hardy too, right? And so is Michelle Cox, my co-author, and, and we're Hardy's as well. And so we feel like we we qualify as Hardy's. And so this is this is a devotional for people who love programming like when calls the heart, but want also want a deeper you know, more meaningful devotional study that they can do with their own families. And um, the journal is really cool. The Christmas journal, especially because it's it's got uh, sections in it where you can actually write down some of the fun memories from this this coming Christmas. Uh, you know, the things that your kids ask for for Christmas. Sometimes, you know, 25 years from now, you pull that out. That's a fun thing to find out, to remember what your kids asked for at Christmas in 2018. And, uh, and so it's got the space for jotting your own traditions, jotting your own Christmas memories. And uh, I know I have some things like that in boxes uh, from when our kids were little. And, and it's very meaningful for us to, to open that stuff up at Christmas and share it with one another. Absolutely. Yeah. And so just when God calls the heart.com, they can find out about this devotional and then the original when God calls the heart and they're both available with information about the journal. And um, I love that. And there's more descriptions and all kinds of stuff they can look out there. Um, so I would just love to hear now, do you have any plans for the future? Anything fun that you're working on or? Yes. Yes. Uh, there, you and I are working on something. We are. We can't. We can't. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll say that we're working on something and that's it. <laughs> yes. And uh, we hope the news will be coming soon that everybody can can hear about and, and, and get excited about. And uh, it's been fun to uh, for me to take your beautiful work and, and to then try to adapt it for something for film and television. And so we're uh, we're excited about that. And we think it could be ki- kind of big and in. And, and, in that, as, as I was saying, the audience is hungry for meaning, hungry for, for content that is family and faith friendly. Well, this, this new project with you will be one of those. And um, so we're, we're excited about that. And, uh, and I'm excited about the case for miracles, which I'm working on right now. And uh, I'm adapting another book called Life After Heaven, 
which is a powerful true story as well. And I, I love I love doing redemptive true stories. Um, and we also have a Francine Rivers uh, novel, Bridge to Haven, which we've adapted uh, for a movie. So any, anyway, uh, there are lot, lots of fun things going on. Uh, and uh, I just turned 61. So this is my decade. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm like going to be a bull in a china China closet, China shop, because I, I want to uh, I want to break all the all the barriers down and, and uh, really blow it up. There's a deep hunger for content right now. There's so many of these streaming platforms and these new ways of for us to watch content, and they all want original content. And so, I'm you and I are going to do some of that, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to sort of push forward aggressively because uh, the world needs us to. Absolutely. And that means we're going to meet face to face soon, That's hopefully. Right. Right. Yes. And exactly. I'm, I'm so excited about that and this project we're working on. And I'm, I'm so excited also about Francine Rivers project. She's one of my sweet friends too. I meet every year with a group of us and we plot, um, help plot each other's books. I remember when she was still working on that book and um, what an amazing woman just, um, just pouring out her heart. And, you know, it's so fun to be able to get in there and help her think of ideas and um, have her also input on some of my stuff. So, you know, like I love how you said it's a, a small world and a large world that once you get to know the body of Christ, I mean, we're so many people connected, just supporting each other. And I think that's what I love also about the Christian industry is we're cheering each other on. We're supporting each other. It's not, you know, a competition out there, but really we want other people to succeed because that brings glory to God. And that's the ultimate goal. A rising tide lifts all the boats, mm. and so we—that's not a good image today when there's a hurricane hitting the East Coast. But uh, in in the in the world of telling stories and 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 creating content, uh, you're right. There there doesn't there shouldn't be competition. It should be cheerleading for all of us, cheerleading for one another. There's so much hunger and so much appetite for content that. You know, we can all work together to make that happen. And, uh, uh, you know, I love hearing stories of collaboration like that. I've, I've, this is the second Francine Rivers novel that I've adapted. And, and uh, we did The Last Sin Eater several years ago. And, and uh, I love working with her. She's really, truly gifted. And uh, I get to work with all the really good authors in the face space, which is fun. <laughs> so but you and Beverly Lewis and Francine Rivers and Jeanette Oak. Uh, I, I'm I'm uh, I'm blessed. Hey, just to uh, be on to... that list, that works for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are for sure. Well, Brian, it was so wonderful just chatting with you. I'm so excited about when God calls the heart at Christmas, and I'll put out links out there on the show notes, and that's just walkitoutpodcast.com. People can go, and we'll have links to everything that Brian and I mentioned today. But thank you so much for being here, and mostly thank you just for your heart and all that you're doing just to glorify God. Well, thank you, Tricia. We're, we're, we're on the same team here. So I'll write that right back at you. Yes. And I hopefully we'll get a meet face to face soon. We will for sure. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. God bless. Okay, friend. What did you think of that? Brian is so inspiring. I just would love to have heard more, to hear more about his life, to hear more about 
those projects. Maybe I will get to talk to Brian face to face soon and get the scoop. And also, I'm so sorry that we can share more about what Brian and I will be working on. We don't have the green light yet, but I guarantee as soon as we get the word, you're going to be one of the first to know. So be listening to the Walk It Out podcast and make sure that you pay attention and then you'll get to hear the exciting news that'll be coming up. And okay, I just have to say, we talked about at the beginning, the unexpected. I was sitting there that moment when I was talking to my friend Cindy and she mentioned um, that she was writing a novel and something inside me just went, yes, that's something I want to do. Well, I never in a million years ever thought that my work would be in Hollywood. I mean, it wasn't even a dream, but I love that even though I didn't know that, that God had big plans. And I love that even though Brian was a journalist, he had no idea what God would do in his life, that he can just, in Hollywood, use the gospel and spread it in big and small ways, in uh, just getting the, the message out of Christ by just giving people hope, hope in a very dark world. And so I just love how God has done so much in Brian's life too. So the walk it out scripture for today is Ephesians 3, 20, or sorry about that, Ephesians 6, 20 through 21. And it says, now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. And that is one of my favorite verses, that God, who can do anything, he loves doing exceedingly more, infinitely more than we ask or imagine. And God is doing that in books. He's doing that in movies. He's doing that with ordinary people, just like you, just like me, just like Brian. We're completely ordinary people who just love hanging out with our families and also love being used by God. So right now, I'm just going to offer up a prayer for us. So dear God, I just thank you so much for my listeners today. And I pray God that even now that you will just stir those desires in their hearts. Um, Maybe they have a dream that they pushed off to the side. They said, I could do that later. Um, When the kids are grown, when the bills are paid, when I have more time, Lord, I pray that if those dreams are meant to be followed, that you will just set off little fireworks in their hearts right now. And that you will do exceedingly more than they ever ask or imagine or hope. And I thank you, God, that you do that with ordinary people. That you can use us as we're just in our homes to reach out and impact the world. So I pray for Brian. I pray that you will continue to use him, continue to use his work, continue to use his books to really show people the gospel and show what redemption is all about. I pray that you'll use me. I pray that you use this project um, that Brian and I are working on together to bring you glory and to um, touch viewers everywhere, Lord. And I just pray that um, even though we have feeble steps and uh, poor attempts, that you will do your great work. So I thank you for that. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in to walk it out. There's a few things I want to remind you. Um, if you ever want to go and look at the show notes that has links to everything that I talk about on the show, 
you can just go to walkitoutpodcast.com and you'll can scroll down and find all the shows with all the show notes and the scriptures there. The prayers are there. Um, everything that you need for what we've talked about will be in those show notes. Also, be sure to check out my book, Walk It Out, and also my new book, Calming Angry Kids. Now, this is a book that also just released with David C. Cook, and you may have noticed that I have some special episodes, maybe you've already seen them, that just highlight um, anger and talking about how to help kids with their anger. So, Common Angry Kids is help and hope for parents in the whirlwinds. If you need someone, if you know someone who needs help and hope with their kids, I encourage you to pick up a copy for them. I know it's already, um, it's a huge blessing. I know I've already gotten letters and notes from people that um, find it very readable, very easy. Um, it's not an expert telling them what to do or what not to do. It's someone, me, in the trenches with them. So I just um, hope that if you know someone, they could really use that to check out Calming Angry Kids. And as always, um, I just want to thank my publisher, David C. Cook, who sponsors this podcast. So be sure to check out David C. Cook. They have wonderful resources, wonderful books, and all the proceeds from those books go to spread the gospel in over 100 countries. So friend, I encourage you also to just share this podcast. If you want to share a link on Facebook, on Instagram, Tell a friend about it. I would love that so much. And always also remember you tell them to be listening because hopefully soon I'll be announcing more about what Brian and I are working on. So thank you, friends, for tuning in to Walk It Out. I pray that you will be encouraged. Today's podcast was edited and produced by Author Media. Opening and closing music is from the song Wide Open Space by Life Worship used with permission from Integrity Music.